0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we're looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright and
1: she didn't come to my house.
0: (laughs) Today we're talking about Minute 16, which begins with Strike Team Delta's Abidjan operation and ends with a sick kid in bed. Back on the show to kick things off this week, we have Philip Modis again. Hello, Philip. Hello, Andy and Pete. Happy Monday! Happy Monday! It's Monday, you guys.
2: <laughs>
0: it is Monday. Oh, we we are ending our time with uh, Natasha at this at this scene as we kick things off here. Um, it's uh, you know it's kind of it's her conversation with Colson kind of catching up. Now, I think it's interesting that the whole thing with uh, Barton being compromised is kind of what set Natasha off and said, "Oh." Whatever mission I'm on, which obviously was important, she was trying to get information. Uh, and then they're like, "Oh no, we think Barton's actually okay." And that's that's kind of that's kind of <laughs> yeah. how this conversation starts. It's like, "Oh, okay, like yeah, we think he's fine. We'll tell you when you get here."
2: I can see that. I can. I don't think it's manipulative, though. I would say it's similar to like we've kidnapped your wife. She is alive. You know, <laughs> like it, it's a yeah. little different because all he yeah. said was "compromised." So that I guess that could be absolutely anything.
0: Sure, sure, sure.
2: <laughs> it got her in the. It got her on the on the working on the case. So it it did its yes. job.
0: He right. He did what he needed to do, and now she's going to go do what she needs to do, and that is to go talk to the big guy. Now, I I think it's funny. There's this confusion about who the big guy is because her her thoughts of the big guy is that it's Tony Stark, because, you know, I I guess it's his personality. She's worked with him before. But that whole idea of first, we need you to talk to the big guy. I mean, it could have been Fury. Does it seem like a logical assumption for her to have thought of of Bruce Banner? I can see why you would.
2: Yeah, there's a bunch of people you'd have to it, it, yeah, a better line might have been, you have to be way more specific, Colson. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Is that level seven or? Is
2: that level seven? Yeah, no, I, I, it's, it makes for a sort of a funny joke. And I do like the setup and the way that almost everybody in this movie is really watching themselves around Bruce Banner. That's, that's a fun thing to be like. Especially Natasha, where like I am a mere human being who doesn't have cybernetic armor or super serum or anything. So I have to really be careful around this nuclear bomb of a person. But yeah, I, I'm, you could have meant anybody, whatever she knows.
0: Yeah, I, I think that it's interesting the way that it plays. I mean, it's obviously designed to be kind of fun scripting, you know, the talk to the big guy and then the whole thing. It oh, is. no, no, I'm just kidding. It is fun. Yeah, yeah, right. Because then then he says, oh, no, no, I've got Stark. You get the big guy. And then you get that he Russian... says the big guy
1: twice. Right. Yeah.
2: Big guy. To her, big guy means Stark.
1: No, I know. I and just he's need, right. like yeah. the fact that he says, we need you to talk to the big guy. And she says Stark. And he says again, no, you get I've got Stark. You get the big guy. Just screams to me that I want, like, the I don't know what it would be like, the really big guy or the exceptionally big guy or the other big guy. Right. Right, She could have
0: gone, Oh, you mean Fury? No, 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 no. You get the big guy. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? (laughs) Like,
2: wait, Iron Man's
0: buddy war machine? (laughs) I thought he was off-world.
2: Yeah, That's exactly. exactly. Off world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just keep running through it. Do we have Spider-Man yet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, to this, I don't I don't mean to blow through it too fast, but one thing that you know it's contained in this minute that is sort of strange, and it almost comes off as a strange choice with this like not saying the incredible Hulk or Bruce Banner is that this is going to be the first time we see Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner. And in this minute, you if you didn't know that there'd be a recasting or just like, who's this dude? Yeah. <laughs>
0: like what? I don't know who this person is. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. So, I mean, just to just to finish this up before we get into him. So so he she figures out who he means. And she, when she says you get the big guy, and she's got the little Russian line where she says, I, I, I don't know. It's in Russian, but basically it's like, oh, my God. Bonjour, moi. Bonjour, moi.
1: My God.
0: Yeah, so she's not thrilled about what has been tasked uh, to her. And so now she's going to have to deal with this. And what's interesting, but again, was never part of this franchise. I think it was only in uh, a comic uh, addition to it, was that she was at Culver University when Bruce Banner hulked out and had his battle with the— uh, uh, with. Um, uh, Blonsky before he, when he was a super soldier, before he was like super, super abomination, super soldier. And so she was there, she saw what he could do. And, you know, as you said, Philip, she is just a little human up against this giant monster. And so there is that sense when she says, my God, this is a person who knows kind of what she's actually going to have to face right now.
2: Credit, credit to the cinematography of it too, because it kind of, when she says that line, it's in that really wide shot. And you don't exactly see, you know, the the three guys she just laid out, but you get the sense that it was like she just cleared a room with yeah, with barely breaking a sweat, and now she's nervous. Yeah. That that does communicate something. I mean, Definitely. I knew who she was going to get by this point when I was watching the movie, but that was because I knew the Hulk was in the movie.
1: Well, and I, I do like that I that that visual like indicator, like whoever she's going to get is going to need a bigger space than, and, and so yeah. they pull out visually to tease that. I think that that has, al- I've always been really attracted to that, like using that sense of space to tease the physicality of what comes next. It's, it's very That's good.
2: cool. I want to go backwards for just a minute if I can, yeah, Andy, because nothing else. I just like this idea that when she takes up the phone and she asks where Barton is, then you get this shot to what I'm calling shield YouTube. <laughs> which is like yeah right <laughs> like how how you or i might look up highlights of old magic johnson michael jordan plays <laughs> i guess agent colson looks up <laughs> strike team delta with the most yeah. generic name ever and just clips of them firing at will at yeah. It's it's so, it's <laughs> i never notice it again until we do a minute by minute but i'm like that is pretty silly like what <laughs> whose camera is this
0: yeah right <laughs> If anything, though, there is our shot of Clint Barton using his bow and arrow. Yeah, we got it. That's, that's the first time we actually see him in this franchise wielding a bow and arrow and shooting with it. So okay, see, it's in, yeah, it's in. I love it. It's in Abidjan. This is the the Ivory Coast, and they were on a mission there. It's just called the Abidjan Operation, and Strike Team Delta. Like it's just like the Marvel Wiki is written in a way where this is something important. But all the information we actually have is from this one shot in the Avengers. So we're going to pretend it's important, but we don't really know what's going on either. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's really
2: funny. Half a wall in front of them is really important to the legacy of their
1: (laughs) friendship. Well, it's and I, I do think it's it's fun that they went to some length. To put these characters in the same, even shot from the omniscient cameraman perspective, mm-hmm. that they yeah. are in the in roughly the same kind of orientation that they are later in the film. I think that's a nice. No. And it is. And it's a setup callback that isn't a callback to anything other than this three seconds. Right. But and, it a,
2: and it is a visual way of doing it rather than us having Natasha say, hey, you know, Coulson, uh, Cliff and I go way back to that mission we did in. In Strike Team Delta, yeah. you know, like it, <laughs> with, no, with just that like rubble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a, with with a that rubble, rubble mission. mission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> member of the Rubble mission. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: it uh-huh. just it just struck me as funny. I was like, I don't know, you know, it's it's this is the movie that we're in where there's going to be monsters and Norse gods and stuff. I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, like we we caught them. We caught these super spies on camera somehow.
0: That happens. Yeah. What's funny is that there are other, again, going to the Marvel Wiki, it talks about how that's satellite footage of them. I'm like, mm, is, yeah. Is I, that how satellite footage looks? Satellite. <laughs> satellite in that the camera was
2: rotating around them as they <laughs> <a, I know. laughs> Yeah. DJI is big with
0: the
1: gimbals. That's all we need yeah. to know.
0: That's right. <laughs> Well we go from Russia to the streets of Calcutta in India and this is where we uh we jump into again and media Rest, we're following a little girl as she is running through the streets uh and we get a sense of kind of the location I, I, you know for for a scene designed to just sell us on a place. They do a great job with giving us a sense of this location. We get the bustling streets. It feels a little run down. You've got, uh, you know, just cyclists and people walking through. It looks very much like kind of a, a market. And uh, we're following this little girl who looks very troubled. And my first question for both of you regarding our little girl here, and uh, don't worry, we'll do the IMDb game with her and the mom or the woman. <laughs> Before we get to that, though, how do you feel on rewatch of this scene, knowing what we know about this little girl and her role in what's about to play? Should Does it make sense for her to be running through the streets, looking uh, like somebody who is agonizing about her sick father as we're seeing it play out here? Oh, as opposed to her? As opposed like, to an actress showing saying, up. I was just paid. Yeah, I just need to show up in this place and say these lines. But on the streets, it's like no one's watching her. And-
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. There's. Well, she's a really committed actor. Um, uh, how do I feel about it? I, I. I would say this. I. I'm. I always kind of get fooled by it. I like. I go into it, which I guess is the point. In universe, I suppose I could justify it that like they told her, you know, this person is really smart, and they're gonna be very suspicious, so I need you to like be on the whole time. I, I can see that. You know, like just before this cut, like is where she, you know, she did her method acting move to be like, <laughs> okay, now I'm now I'm a distressed young kid and I'm running. Um I, I'm I I but I see your point that yeah there is there's another version of this that maybe started in the place where Banner is, and this girl just entered. So then we could assume that she was like, she was not Game Face before then. But then you don't get that great, you know, just like hustle and bustles. I yeah, you get I the
0: agree. tour. Right, the location. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things that happens in movies that anytime I'm re-watching a movie, and I'm in a situation like this where I am forced to ask, why is this person acting this way when <laughs> yeah. they are, when no one is around, they're clearly you know, and this happens often in movies where there's somebody who you think is the bad guy, but it's really this other person who's the bad guy. But they have like they acted like uh, like they were totally surprised and all this stuff in other scenes where no one's around. It's like, but they've been the bad guy. Why would they right. be acting that way if they're by themselves? So I always question that in these films where it's clearly they're designed just for the audience to be fooled. Yes. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those things. I just I roll my eyes at it, but I just acknowledge that it's a cinematic tool.
2: I can I can appreciate that too. It is it is kind of silly, and it's funny. You could have almost gotten away with it had you not cut to the little girl's face so early. Yes, if absolutely. it had just been her running, totally, you could have been like, well, she kids run, people run, that's fine." And then show her face when she enters. Wow, and I you think could have you just fixed
1: it. <laughs> yeah totally fixes it, but I wonder how fixed it is because there is some I can see you know making the the argument that y- the audience needs to be primed like in an emotional state of being ready for sadness and grief and rescue, like so mm-hmm. that we're along the ride with the girl, even though she ends up you know betraying Banner, she's also betraying us, right like that sadness that she portrays for banner it's the cry in the street that she betrays us as the audience.
0: Do you think that this little girl still carries that on her shoulders that she's
1: betrayed entire audiences full of people? I think she's still crying. <laughs> she can't run. Yeah. She can't run without crying anymore. Actually. Oh she... Really sad <laughs> it's thing. Just, it's a
2: very unique condition. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can appreciate that. And I think part of that too, goes into our introduction to Bruce Banner himself, where, I mean, it's just as it's as simple as like, are you going to be nice to the, to the clearly distressed little kid yeah. you know like now we're on your side you know like we can we can we can relate you know, or you know him as a heroic person just by virtue of that so it seems like those choices outweigh the hard logic of like really this little kid should be counting her dollars before she walks in and yeah. then <laughs> and then goes in
0: because uh, that
1: story is like, that story is a different story. That's like a Slumdog Millionaire story, and yeah. <laughs> we're, that's not why we're here.
0: That's not why we're here. Well, this little actress is Malah Kaur Singh. She's playing young girl in this film. and oh, uh, yeah, I, I remember I her. From, yeah, from
1: I, young girl. I'm, sure you, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you
0: do. I'm going to tell you her four known fours, because it's you're not going to know them. And she hasn't been performing. She started performing... At a fairly young age, even younger than this, and then only worked for about six years. So her four known fours are the, the Avengers. The Avengers.
1: Yeah. Of yeah, course. I got that right. And then
0: there uh, you go. She was in Doom 3. Doom 3. Yeah. A Bollywood yep. film where she plays a young girl. Is it the same <laughs> young girl though? That's what She just
2: kept running. Keep running. <laughs> does, does, <laughs> does the young girl in Doom 3 cry when she runs?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to watch it and find out. Yeah. Uh, she was in Killer Punjabi. And oh, she played Rita's child Keller. sidekick in that one, yeah, right? that was good. And last but not least, she was in the TV series Sirens, where she played Susan in one episode. Yeah, I, yeah. That's Malak Kaur Singh. Now, she runs into this house, and whoever the man is who speaks doesn't get credited. He has a line that's not even subtitled, but I'm guessing it's like, hey, what are you doing here? Something like that. But Calcutta woman is up there, and that's Rashmi Rustagi. Rashmi Rustagi again, Things that I'll just tell you, The Avengers, of course, Avengers. number one. Second, Grey's Anatomy. She was in one episode of Grey's Anatomy. Third, she was in the TV series Never Have I Ever. And last but not least, she was in the movie India, Sweets and Spices. Go back a second. Who does she play in Never Have I Ever? She plays uh, Prashant's mother in two episodes. Does that mm. help at all?
1: Uh, it She's might. also
0: credited as older Indian
1: woman. Maybe <laughs> those were oh, she's oh, the older well. Indian woman in one and Prashant's yeah, mother in another. Prashant's mother. Yeah. Uh,
2: if I'm thinking of Never Have I Ever, that's the the show that is on. Oh, my God. Okay. Wait. No. I'm thinking. Hmm. I don't know uh, if this is the same actor. Never Have I Ever is a sitcom. I, I think I'm thinking of the right one. Uh, the mini Kayleen Bruce um, on Netflix. Uh, it's very funny. It's a uh, coming of age Show oh, okay, so she's all right, she isn't who I thought she was. Um, I just looked her up
0: okay. Uh, yeah.
2: but never have ever is very, very funny if for no other reason watch the pilot because it's literally about uh, a you know, an Indian family living in America Indian Americans. Uh, and the girl is I think she's 16 years old and her life is narrated by John McEnroe. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> And it's it is hilarious. They use it so well because McEnroe will say things like, you know, like you know, Davy was troubled, but like any coach will tell you, at the U.S. Open, you got to dig in and get your, you know, your court shoes. To it's like, it doesn't relate at all to it. It's just, it's fantastic. It's like he was cursed to narrate the life of a teen girl, and it's that's very amazing.
0: Famous. That is so funny. God, that's genius.
2: And then look out for Prashant's mom.
0: That's right. Dead Freshant's Mom, season two. That's right. Well, last but not least, the last IMDB game is, of course, with Mark Ruffalo, who is entering the Marvel Cinematic Universe for the first time right here in this very minute. So for the two of you, this is a game you can play. Mark Ruffalo, IMDB, what would you say IMDB says are his four known fours? The Avengers.
1: Yeah. Um I'm in I'm in on the Avengers. Spotlight. Um
2: Thor Ragnarok.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And what about what about something like one of those uh, like Begin Again or one uh, or uh, was he in Once? No, he wasn't in. He was not in Once. He was in Begin uh, begin, Again.
2: Yeah, Begin Again is like American Once, right? Yeah, Um, right, right, right. uh, Um, And he his first big thing was was it you
0: me and everyone i know or you can count on me one of those songs you, you can titles. count on me is yeah that was that me. was 2000 uh, okay. i mean he's been in films since uh 94 so he's been around for okay. quite a while but you're right uh, you can okay, count on okay. me is really where things kind so, of pop up. the part. avengers
1: i'm going to throw in uh begin again and uh uh now you see me one of the now you see that was a big one right oh, that my was God, long enough yes. ago right
2: mm. yeah okay uh i'm going to stick oh do, get all your no go ahead what's your
1: uh, what are you no i was gonna
2: i I was gonna take i definitely the avengers i'm gonna also say thor ragnarok uh you can count on me and then you said
0: spotlight i think spotlight yeah that's it and spotlight those are my four okay okay pete oh are you going with those or do you have your own four
1: i agree with those because uh one most importantly i can't remember any other mark ruffalo movies
0: Okay, you had new, you, you had Now You
1: See Me also.
2: Oh, yeah, list. I want that so that's on the list. Yeah, that's our decider, I think.
1: So I okay. agree with Spotlight and The Avengers and and Begin Again and uh, Now You See Me. So whatever that other one okay. that Philip said, toss that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, the four <laughs> me. are...
0: You, Spotlight is on there, for sure. Okay. Okay. The second, one. second one, The Kids Are All Right. Wow! Okay. I never saw that. Yeah, from 2010. Um, Great movie. Okay. Then the Avengers, and last but not least, Foxcatcher.
2: Foxcatcher. Foxcatcher. I would have. I would have picked
0: that, except his performance in that movie really annoys me. (laughs) Well, uh, Foxcatcher, Spotlight, and The Kids Are All Right are the three films he was nominated for Oscars for. So it makes sense to a certain extent that those three.
2: The Oscars can be wrong. I could. Yeah, I'm just saying. There's
0: there's reason that those three are probably on his list. Sure. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But that's that's Mark Ruffalo. Now, Mark Ruffalo, you, eh, I don't know, threw a little bit of shade at Ruffalo yesterday as far as uh, Hulk. Uh, where do you stand with him uh, taking over from Edward Norton?
2: I only did it for the f- sake that I think they are very, like, equal standing as far as, like, movie star and... Act. Like, I I like both of them a lot. Although that's not to say that I... Oh, no, now I'm totally blanking on his name. The guy who originally played Rhodey. He was in Empire. And what's that guy's Terrence name? Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard's good, too. I feel like just Don Cheadle is more of an, a, an established movie star. So there, the trade becomes a trade-up. Mm-hmm. Um, with Edward Norton and Mark Ruffalo, I feel like it's a little like even in terms of status. Um, but I like Mark Ruffalo in general. And I do like him as... Bruce Banner here and again (laughs) I didn't see I still have not seen The Incredible Hulk but (laughs) what I know about it and what I know about like Ed Norton in general is it seems like a very different character than the one that Mark Ruffalo is playing which is like a sort of nebbish scientist who knows he has to be really careful about where he's putting his concentration and so like that is a different type of intensity than the intensity i usually get from ed norton which is i don't want to say surface level but more like outwardly intense um just in my experience but no i like mark ruffalo i think i i i I totally get why they got him um well for a number of reasons but uh But I think it was a good choice.
0: I wonder if we're going to run into anyone this season, Pete, who uh, would rather have seen Eric
1: Banna come back. I'm one of those people, Andy. You don't have to look very far. I loved Eric Banna. I loved Eric Banna in this role so much. I think, though, speaking just of Edward Norton and Mark Ruffalo, the problem is that Edward Norton has a corner on being on the run. Like, he is—he looks just like— dirty and sweaty and he's like really hiding and running up and down the streets like he nails wearing a hoodie and hiding behind a tree like that's kind of his jam and i cannot picture ruffalo In that same space, like Ruffalo is like, I think he's playing this character who would be completely oblivious that he needs to be on the run. Like he's just, he'd rather be in the lab and he's doing his thing. But I don't think he's a guy who is going to be aware that he needs to put the hoodie up and go hide behind a tree at any given moment.
2: I can totally get that. And it kind of speaks to what you might be pointing out is something that down the road, I think they maybe stumble with the treatment of the hulk and i i really enjoy endgame by the time you get there but one thing that i was always kind of like didn't sit right with me was that spoiler alert for endgame but that they make him into the cross between banner and the hulk and my first thought was like oh you just made everything easier yes you know it's like now you don't have to worry about that problem but it was like that's the most interesting part about the incredible hulk is that at any moment this guy could explode and tear up your whole lab but instead they're like what if we wrote that out like oh i guess and so in a way but in a way that speaks to what you're talking about i think uh pete which is that you know like they're already kind of getting away from that that he's not quite on the run with a hoodie up he's just not in New York. Yeah. You know, doing other work and keeping sort of low profile. But, but I mean, even still, when we like,
1: meet him in Calcutta, he looks pretty chill. He's helping people. He's <laughs> the hot chill. bedside. He's got some chill. And uh, and so I, I feel like that's the that's the issue. But I do love Ruffalo in the part. And he has possibly the best hero moment in the movie. Uh, later in in the the movie and so i i really credit to him for that and i actually think his his uh, addition to she hulk was terrific um so i'm i'm a fan of him in the part but i totally get what you're saying like going the professor hulk route takes the character in a completely different direction and i i don't know i wouldn't say i'm like concerned about where that direction ultimately leads us but i I wonder if everybody knows.
2: <laughs> it's not the yeah. It's not the biggest deal, but I I'm yeah. pointing it out because I think what you're picking up from you know this move from like hoodie up, got to hide behind trees to a little more casual is like oh it that's just the more casualness. Yes, down the road. Well, you know? and you
1: know what you what you you made a, a point that I I hadn't put I hadn't put in in words myself yet, but what I miss about subsequent Hulk portrayals is the intensity with which everybody is scared to be around Banner in this yeah. movie. That is a thing that is additive to this movie in a really great way. Like, it just, it makes everybody kind of on tinderhooks. And I think there's some of that, like, we it, that doesn't carry on at all. The more control he gets over his Jekyll and hyde um, the less interesting he becomes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big shift with uh, with the character that, you know, I I think a lot of that pulls from even like the TV series, because Hulk, I mean, Jesus, he he transformed so much. It was a completely different actor who was performing. him. (laughs) Yeah. But he was he was just a mindless Hulk who would just go and destroy things and smash. And that was the crux of the character. And that's what I found interesting about this film. Um, Bringing up Bill Bixby, though, Mark Ruffalo had this to say uh, as far as his portrayal of it, that I think. Some of what you're saying, Pete, comes out of this. He said, quote, we had talked about it being a throwback to Bill Bixby, which was the banner that I grew up on, basically. He had kind of a charm about him and this world weariness. He was on the run, but he was still able to flirt sometimes and smile sometimes. And occasionally he'd crack a joke. I <laughs> see <laughs> I guess. Weirdly non weirdly noncommittal, I guess. <laughs> well, but no, but I think, like, I feel like I don't necessarily feel like I would have heard that out of Edward Norton's mouth. You know, I, I feel like Edward Norton, to your point, did capture a lot of that essence of the uh, the guy who was on the run and Ruffalo settled into the guy who is just in hiding. But he's helping people that Bill Bixby TV show, you know, the the lonely man walking slowly away from whatever scene never running. And so it is interesting that I, I think that I can I can feel what you're saying in that sense with the way that Ruffalo portrays him.
2: This might sort of undersell ed norton's comedic chops because the guy can be really funny oh yeah yeah. but but i but i've i guess i've always painted him in this corner of being rather an actor's actor and like an sort of an intense guy and it almost doesn't suit the overall tone that we're going for with this movie and every movie after it going forward you know it's like at some point you don't need quite so much of that. We're trying to do something else here entirely. So maybe it's maybe whatever X factor that is, Ruffalo fits the bill a little more than Edward Norton too.
0: Well, this is our introduction to him in this film. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot more about him over the course of it. But I do like the way that it's it is introduced in a way where he's helping people. There's a sick per, a sick kid in the bed, and this little girl needs some help. And that's where the minute ends. I think it plays really nicely. And um yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I think that this is a good place to wrap things up as any. So uh so Philip, thank you so much for joining us for all of these episodes. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you for having me. Totally. No, so it, it was a
2: lot of fun. I I've I've enjoyed listening to the show, and now I'll <laughs> hear myself, I guess. <laughs> um, however that goes. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for having me.
0: It was a, it was a lot of fun. Well, tell everybody one last time where they can track your books down and, uh, just a little bit about them. What books? Um, no, uh,
2: <laughs> no, uh, I am also a mystery author and, uh, my books are about a woman who is a hairstylist by day, but she has secret psychic abilities and she uses them to help solve murders. In and around Los Angeles, uh, it's called the Psychic Barber Mysteries, and the first one uh, is titled "The Murderous Haircut of the Mayor of Bel Air." Uh, is everywhere that you can find it. Uh, look me up. I'm at Philip Matas on Twitter and Instagram, and I got a website
0: and all that sort of stuff. Fantastic. Well, check it out. The links will be in the show notes, and uh, give him a read. We'd love to, uh, you know, support him and what he's up to, uh, keeping busy with these things. Yeah. Um, As for us, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 17 with another guest. We have Ryan Dalton joining us for a couple uh, minutes, so it should be fun chatting with him. Oddly, another author. So uh, I guess it's author week this week. Um, (laughs) But that's it for us today. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back tomorrow. Pete, thanks as always.
1: Uh, Andy, Andy, I've spiked a fever. Go get Scarlet. (laughs) (laughs) Until
0: next time, True Believers.